Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, who would have thought that a billboard message about a failed Albertan education minister would cause such turmoil? But our fire eggin saga continues. Sheila Gunn-Reed has the latest details in our fight for freedom of expression. So how much does David Suzuki hate pipelines? Well, he'd like to see them blowed up real good, to quote SCTV's Big Jim McBob. Alas, there's absolutely nothing funny about acts of eco-terrorism. Adam Seuss has all the details. And letters, we get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say regarding my report on the Toronto District School Board actually bullying its teachers and other staffers to get jabbed or else lose their jobs. Say, whatever happened to zero tolerance for bullying? Whatever happened to reasonable accommodation? And say, where the hell are the various teachers unions when the rank and file really, really need them? Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. to have to report to you that a three-judge panel has upheld a lower provincial court decision, a judicial review, that upheld a reprimand issued against us at Rebel News for putting up a billboard way back in late 2018. Now, for those of you who have not been following this story closely, it's wild. It's a story of government overreach, political censorship, and a complete and total lack of due process. It's been a fight for editorial freedom and fair treatment under the law while an out-of-control elections bureaucrat used elections finance laws to try to censor journalists for being vocal critics of the government of the day. Now, like I said, the story, it goes back a couple of years. It's two years and then some in the making. I'll give you a short version, but you can see all of our reporting, our legal filings, and our communications, and you can also support our legal fight at rebeltrial.com. It's all there for you to see. 
The whole thing started way back in late November 2018 when we put up a billboard calling on then-Premier Rachel Notley to fire her own education minister, David Egan, because Egan had failed Alberta students. 40% of grade 9 kids were failing in math. Now, in mid-December of the same year, we received a letter from the elections commissioner in Alberta, who, like Rachel Notley, was subsequently fired by the United Conservative Party. That letter said we were being investigated because our billboard allegedly broke elections finance laws and that we should have registered as a third-party political advertiser before putting it up. We were not in an election, and we are not advertisers. We are journalists expressing our opinions the same way you might see on any given day on the editorial pages of a failing newspaper. We just express our editorial opinions in a more interesting and compelling way. So we lawyered up and sent a letter back. January 9th, our lawyers told the elections cops it was our intention to fight back and we would be presenting evidence. Just five days later, on January 14th, we received yet another letter, a notice of adverse finding, a conviction from the elections commissioner telling us they had already convicted us and that they wanted to talk to us about the size of the fines they were going to issue us. That was the only conversation they wanted to have. No trial, no evidence. And unlike a real court, the elections commissioner plays every role in the quasi-judicial theater of elections crimes. He's the cop, he's the judge, he's the jury, and he's the executioner. The whole thing is insane. It's our right as journalists to be critical of the government without having to register our objections with the government as a third-party advertiser. And we absolutely have a right to defend ourselves against any allegations that we broke the law in a real court, not some quasi-kangaroo charade where one guy who doesn't like you for political reasons accuses you of wrongdoing and then also appoints himself the decider of the case too. So we growled back at the government and they backed down, but only sort of. They told us we wouldn't be getting any fines for our wrongdoing, we'd be getting a reprimand. But for what? We don't take reprimands from elections cops for speaking our minds. Even witches were able to face their accusers at a show trial. We, at Rebel News, <laughs> we didn't even get that much. Holy Halloween, imagine that folks. Accused witches back in Salem in the 1600s actually had more rights than we have in Alberta of 21st century. How can this be? And where do we go from here in terms of, oh, I don't know, standing up for freedom? How is it that a billboard is so triggering to certain bureaucrats? And joining me now with more on this story is our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, Sheila, it's a pleasure as always, but this story boils my blood. How is it that this billboard is so egregious in the eyes of the bureaucracy in Alberta? Why is this thing even a thing? Well, and that that really is the thing, David, because we were tried like witches behind our backs, never even allowed to participate in the process for breaking elections finance laws, uh, engaging in third-party political advertising. But 
we were not in an election and we are not third-party political advertisers. We are journalists and we publish an opinion on a billboard, which is exactly what the failing mainstream media does every day in the pages of the editorial section. We just did it on a billboard where people will actually see it because nobody reads terrestrial newspapers anymore. And our billboard was simple. It called on Rachel Notley to fire her own education minister for failing Alberta students. We weren't advocating for a political party. We were calling for accountability from the existing party of the day. And because of that, we were found guilty, really, behind our backs by the elections commissioner, a position that actually doesn't exist anymore. It was um, killed by Jason Kenney. What they did was they said, they sent what they did was they sent us a notice of adverse finding a notice of adverse finding which means they were notifying us that they had an adverse finding against us which is a conviction and the only thing they wanted to talk about with us was fines and when i compared this to a witch trial are they going to dunk us in the river and see if we float or are they going to burn us at the stake but either way they had found us guilty behind our back and we said oh no that's not gonna fly we, we need a chance to present our evidence. And uh, that's when they backed off and issued us a reprimand. And uh, that brings us to today because we don't accept a reprimand. We don't think we should ever have to register our opinions as journalists with the government before we express them in a way that we see fit, not the government. And we are appealing the reprimand because it was given to us without due process. There was like four or five days between um, when we said to them, basically, we are willing to participate in your investigation and the time they found us guilty. So we appealed, um, we brought it to an, a judicial review and the judicial review found against us. So we appealed that they found against us again. So now we're seeking leave to appeal this decision all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. And who knows if they will accept our attempted appeal, but all we can do is try because free speech itself and due process for all people depend on it. You know, and this is the thing, I, I don't understand why we've lost these uh, judicial reviews, Sheila. I mean, we lo I look at that uh, billboard, um, nothing about it is, you know, from a journalistic point of view, defamatory or slanderous or libelous. Indeed, it's actually quite factual in terms of the Alberta uh, school scores plummeting under Mr. Reagan. So. You know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm still grasping as to what the crime committed uh, was here. Is it hurting the feelings of a former minister? You know what? I think that's really what was at the um, crux of the initial complaint against us was that um, we were being a little bit harsh with the government of the day and they didn't like that. And we know that this elections commissioner position it was weaponized against so many of Rachel Notley's critics, from pro-life groups to um, municipal accountability groups. Alberta Can't Wait ended up in trouble. Um, so it was really a lot of people from the right side of the political spectrum or even single-issue people like pro-life groups who 
didn't like what the government of the day was doing. They were under attack constantly by the weaponized elections bureaucracy using this third-party advertiser law as a tool of censorship. And a lot of people just paid the fine because paying the fine is so often cheaper than it. But then they came across Rebel News and we were not going to pay the fine, but even even crazier, we would not accept a reprimand. So a non-monetary reprimand, we are appealing all the way to the Supreme Court because we don't register our opinions with the government and we will not concede to them the right to reprimand us for our opinions. Oh, 100%, Sheila, and, and it is not about the money. I know a lot of people say that when they're in litigation. <laughs> it's not about the money, and it, oh, it bloody it well is here. about the money. But <laughs> it's about the principle. It's about freedom of expression, freedom of speech, uh, freedom of the press. And I see that so under attack in little ways. Uh, Sheila, earlier this month, a homeowner in Port Colborne, Ontario, had one of those F. Trudeau flags flying from his home. And he's being told by bylaw, you got to take it down or you're going to be fined and uh, thankfully he's not bending the knee put a second flag up I interviewed last night for an upcoming video a man uh, with a, uh, a video sign in his car he puts out cheeky political messages he was given a ticket by a police officer with Waterloo Regional Police for a non-existent crime uh, I, I checked with the Ministry of Transport the point is is that little by little uh, people, individuals, companies are getting censored, and that's just not right. Yeah, remember how much things have changed, though, now that the people on the like right side of the aisle are pushing back? Do you remember the guy who had the F. Harper car? Yes. And he would drive it around, and there were articles written about like how like endearing and cheeky this guy was and it was he he was sort of a darling of the mainstream media because this guy in the mainstream media had the same political enemy and you preface that with the coverage now of anybody who holds a sign that is critical of Trudeau or cheekily chants locker up about Rachel Notley, people were losing their minds, literally yep. losing their minds yep. about people chanting locker up just as like a tongue in cheek chant about Rachel Notley. Uh, as we're filming this, I'm actually on a break from court because I'm covering um, a hearing for Pastor Art Polosky and Chris mm. Scott. And what is happening in court today is lawyers for Chris Scott and Pastor Art are trying to get a stay of their sanctions. So they're trying to get the sanctions that they received put on hold until they can appeal those sanctions. And it's interesting that we are bringing up uh, our reprimand for being critical of the government because now it's not just companies and news agencies like us that are being reprimanded for being critical of the government. These guys are really truly being reprimanded for being critical of the government because their sanctions, including one that compels them to give government lockdown salesmen talking points before they give their own opinion on lockdowns, they're experiencing the same thing. Their sanctions do not do anything to deal with the order that they are in contempt of, an illegal public gathering. Their order, their sanctions are there to protect the government's hurt feelings, which is exactly what happened to us. So it started with a reprimand 
for us a couple years ago. And now it's made its way all into like the court where regular citizens who are trying to be critics of the government policies that are closing their churches and closing their businesses, they are having compelled speech, what they call qualified speech in court today, as though it makes any sort of difference. And it's the kind of thing that it's... It's the some it's something that we see in the more authoritarian and odious regimes in the world. We don't expect to see this in Canada, but in three short years it went from a reprimand for a billboard to uh, to us for being critical of the government to people being compelled under force of the court to give the government's side. That's how quickly the needle has shifted, and that's why we have to fight the reprimand just as fiercely as we have to fight for Chris Scott and Pastor Art in court right now. But you know what, Sheila? At least Chris Scott and Pastor Art are getting a day in court. Yeah. Originally, we didn't have that opportunity, and it reminds me of what happened in Hamilton to me in the summertime. I was uh, covering a protest. I was practicing journalism, and a bylaw officer with a telephoto lens photographed me uh, for breaking social distancing rules and sent me a ticket. It's called an AMPS ticket uh, by email. I thought it was a scam at first for $360. And you cannot challenge this in court. And the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that these AMPS tickets back in 2016, it's completely fine. Uh, this is an affront to the justice system, the idea that you're innocent until proven guilty. Um, there is so much wrong with this story. The fact that it's happening in Jason Kenney's Alberta is another factor. One last question, Sheila. Where do we go from here and how can people uh, pitch in to help us out, I think, on a very important and profound case? That's the thing. This is very important and profound because we are rapidly approaching the next election cycle in Alberta. And this isn't just free speech for us. It's free speech for people on the other side of the aisle, too, who are um, who are going to be critics of anything conservative. We're also fighting for them so that these third-party advertiser laws are not weaponized against them, too. And because of the lack of due process for us, because they said the only communications they were going to have with us after this notice of adverse finding, which is a conviction before we had evidence, we are t seeking leave to appeal this all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a bit of a Hail Mary thing, but what else can we do? What else can we do? So, it, again, these are very expensive propositions. I mean, we're going all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. And for some reason, Jason Kenney, the so-called conservative, his government is fighting us every step of the way um, instead of just saying, you know, this is madness. It's a non-monetary reprimand for nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. Let's just drop this. Um, but we are seeking leave to appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court may or may not agree to hear our appeal. But like I said, what else can we do? We're up against the deep pockets of the government. They've got all of your money to fight us with. We have to rely on our viewers at home. And if people want to pitch in to cover our legal costs, they can do that at rebeltrial.com. And the great thing about rebeltrial.com is you can see everything in real time. You can see them saying, we've opened an investigation, us saying, okay, let's rumble. And then saying, oh, by the way, we found you guilty. 
and here's here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about fines. It was like days apart. So you can see all of that, all of our back and forth, all of our communications with Alberta Health Services. You can see that in real time at that same website. You, so you can see all the work that our lawyers are doing. You can follow along with the case chronologically. That's at rebeltrial.com. Fantastic, Sheila. And at least there's a silver lining here. And I'm speaking of all those media companies that, as a sign of solidarity, are coming to our defense. No, of course I'm jesting. <laughs> They're actually cheering on the government at the court. Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 20 years ago, but not anymore. Sheila, fantastic report. Uh, a very important story. I know you're going to be on top of it. Can't I wait will. for an update. Hopefully, it's a favorable one. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the hinterland of northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. I am joined by a very special guest, member of Legislative Assembly and Minister of Environment and Parks for Alberta, Jason Nixon. This morning, we were watching the proceedings in legislature and we were talking about on our live stream, the troubling remarks from David Suzuki, remarks that uh, if anyone on the conservative side would say anything comparable to, there'd undoubtedly be investigations, allegations of threats, um, virtual silence across the board from uh, pundits, uh, the CBC barely covering this. This is what we're come to. The next stage after this is there are going to be pipelines blown up if our leaders don't pay attention to what's going on. The next stage after this is there are going to be pipelines blown up. We were so grateful to have you take a strong position on this and speak to this. Our pipelines, Mr. Speaker, are the safest and most efficient way to export ethical Alberta oil all across the continent. David Suzuki is so out of touch with the real world that he advocates Mr. Speaker for eco-terrorism towards Canadian people and industries. This is completely unacceptable and extremely reckless. The NDP, Mr. Speaker, sadly have a long history of collaborating with David Suzuki and their silence on, this on his outrageous comments made them complicit with calls for eco-terrorism towards Albertans and Canadians. Alberta's oil and gas industry, along with Alberta's government, have developed innovative technologies that actually impact the environment. The destruction of our pipelines is eco-terrorism and must be rebuked by everyone in this country. Can you maybe go through uh, some of your comments today in legislature here in Alberta? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think all Canadians and all Albertans should be appalled by any comments that could be used to incite violence. Uh, in any way referring to the blowing up of a pipeline or any type of infrastructure uh, is, is absolutely appalling. And so I wanted to make a clear statement uh, as the Minister of Environment, one, to stand up for our incredible environmental record inside our province and the incredible hard work of the men and women who work in our energy industry. And we did that today. But on top of that, we, we called on immediately for David Suzuki to apologize uh, for what he said uh, and to stop any uh, comments that in any way could be uh, used to support eco-terrorism. Um, it's, just, it's just completely unacceptable. I also had some concerns with the fact that we saw the official opposition in Alberta, the, the NDP opposition in Alberta this weekend pass motions uh, supporting the illegal blockades of important pipeline projects uh, in BC. Uh, at, at this day and age, it is completely and utterly unacceptable for anybody in public life uh, to call for people to be illegally blocking projects uh, or to in any way uh, be condoning 
uh, acts of violence or saying that acts of violence would take place when it comes to this infrastructure. So we made that clear in the legislature today in my statement. However, Mr. Speaker, my view is that every member of this House should have that opportunity to speak to this and to consider a motion to condemn David Suzuki's disgusting remarks. And I will, as government House Leader, later today, move such a motion in this chamber. It's important to note that David Suzuki doesn't just hate pipelines that want to carry the most ethically produced oil for export around the world. The truth is, David Suzuki hates Alberta. David Suzuki has compared Alberta's oil and gas industry to slavery in the past, which is despicable on its own. But now he has said the following to Czech News in Vancouver this past Saturday. Suzuki says, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, there are going to be pipelines blowing up. And goes on to say, I saw the power of civil disobedience. And then he says, people in Extinction Rebellion are saying we're headed in the direction of extinction and we're, we're rebelling against it. That's why I'm here. Hey folks, who knew that so-called civil disobedience included acts of, you know, eco-terrorism? But hey, that's what Despicable Dave is advocating, much like that SCTV character, Big Jim McBob. He wants to see pipelines blowed up real good. The only thing is, what David Suzuki said is not funny at all. In fact, I wonder what Mr. Suzuki calls the attacks 20 years ago at the the World Trade Center, a mostly peaceful protest, perhaps? What a disgrace. In any event, my colleague Adam Seuss in Calgary is here to discuss exactly what David Suzuki was thinking in terms of advocating uh, terrorism in the first place. Adam, how you doing, my friend? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, Adam, before we get into what David Suzuki was saying, and the D word, despicable, that pretty much covers it off nicely, I think. I just want to touch upon the absolute hypocrisy of this man. In other words, here's someone that became very rich via taxpayer dollars, thanks to all his CBC shows. He has multiple high-end homes. How does David Suzuki think he's going to heat those high-end homes if all those pipelines get blown to pieces? Uh, does he have a special stash of, I don't know, dilithium crystals somewhere? Yeah, it's it's absolutely staggering. It isn't just David Suzuki. It's virtually everyone. They'll take helicopter tours over the oil sands while criticizing them, be on mega yachts that consume more energy in uh, one boat trip than my house consumes in a year. Um, the, the categorical hypocrisy, listen, anyone who's espousing any values, um, to expect them to adhere to them perfectly, I think is unfair. But the extent to which they have such glaring, glaring hypocrisies unbelievable. And it permeates even on the local level. We, we were covering a protest here in Calgary just the other night. The video should be up at any moment. Um, but they, they all drive up in relatively large vehicles, park right next to me in their gas-powered vehicles, and then they get out and they attend a protest against pipelines. What do they think those vehicles run on, hopes and dreams? You know, Adam, it's so true. As the saying goes, socialism isn't for the socialists. And speaking of which, uh, certainly the UCP were outraged and, they, and members made comments to that effect in the legislature. Where is the NDP in this uh, hubbubaloo? And, and part of the motion, it was a minister 
uh, of Environment and Parks, uh, Jason Nixon, who brought forward actually a motion calling for those comments to be uh, condemned for David Suzuki to apologize. Um, but furthermore, he actually called on uh, any sort of eco-terrorism to be condemned rather than applauded because, in fact, over the weekend, uh, the NDP, at least a number of MLAs, endorsed the Wet'suwet'en protests, which have now been deemed illegal. Um, for those who don't know on some of these protests that have been extremely contentious, um, of the six uh, uh, elected councils in that area, First Nations or Indigenous councils, five of six voted in favor of this pipeline going forward. Uh, the six that didn't is not the group that's protesting these pipelines. Furthermore, 20 individual and independent Indigenous councils along the route of the coastal gas link pipeline, uh, they also voted in favour of this. So this is not as though this is being done to the Indigenous community. In fact, the $6.6 .6 billion pipeline um, is being done very much in cooperation with and serves as an economic boon for these communities. So the suggestion that these are being forced or thrust upon people is certainly not an accurate depiction. That being said, the NDP has endorsed and supports, not all of them perhaps, but at least some, the folks who are illegally protesting and blockading this project moving forward. So the NDP, not only are they not condemning it, they're endorsing it. And the troubling thing is, as an environmentalist, even if you are a militant environmentalist who is anti-pipeline, this makes your movement look bad. You shouldn't be advocating for this. Um, everyone across the board, from David Suzuki to the NDP, should be saying this isn't the way we'll fight this in court or we'll have peaceful protests. You know, it's it's amazing, but not surprising. But then again, uh, Adam, our beloved colleague, Sheila Gunn-Reed, she wrote that book a few years ago, The Destroyers, about the NDP's rule in Alberta. And certainly Rachel Notley wasn't going about with uh, a band of gorillas blowing up pipelines, but she was introducing legislation that basically uh, carried out the same effect. So I can see them being on side. But interestingly enough, I believe there was an announcement from the David Suzuki Foundation that were saying, hey, wait a minute, uh, we're, uh, this doesn't represent what we stand for. What's the deal there, Adam? Yeah, well, I know. I think that there is going to be this apologist um, response, perhaps saying that, well, he was just saying that seems to be the direction it's heading. Um, I would hope to God every organization or anyone with a sober second thought would be trying to retract that statement and issuing uh, a correction or at least an apology to some extent. But uh, um, I, I'm certain that the uh, powers that be who fund this stuff globally uh, don't want this sort of militarized action associated with them. Uh, ultimately, when push comes to shove on these issues, when these pipelines get shut down, all that it means is we're bringing in more OPEC oil and we're bringing more international oil in. So there's no lack of uh, funding there or efforts to ensure that our oil does not get around and that it's just uh, international oil uh, coming in. So the, the people who maybe are making these major donations to Suzuki Foundation and some of these other uh, organizations, they certainly don't want to be associated with a militarized approach because they are so effective at working behind the scenes, working in the courts and uh, radicalizing folks and, and in a way manipulating the media to garner sympathy. Ultimately, when we're looking at some of these protests, the majority of the indigenous community is in support of this. We have a small sort of subsection of uh, heredity 
hereditary chiefs who claim that they are in fact entitled to the land, but they're not elected. They don't represent the majority. Um, and these these uh, third party organizations who are advocating against uh, Alberta or Canadian energy uh, are, are are pretty quick to uh, to echo or at least magnify the voices of that very small minority when it benefits their interests. No, 100%. Uh, many Native leaders uh, recognize and appreciate uh, the great jobs and the great livelihood that comes from working in the oil industry. They're on side. Uh, you mentioned hereditary chiefs. And of course, there are what I call the fake Indians, white social justice warriors, Adam, uh, that uh, really don't have the concerns of Native bands uh, in their hearts. Uh, you mentioned the term ethical oil. I, I should give a plug to our, our boss man, Ezra event about 10 years ago, he wrote a book by that very title, Ethical Oil. And if anyone wants to do a deep dive about how ethical the oil industry is in Canada, please check out that book. But one other piece of hypocrisy I'd like to address too, Adam, the reaction to Suzuki's comments in the media party, it's been fairly muted. Uh, there is no outrage. And what I'm saying is that if there was a public figure and let's say this was a white guy wearing a MAGA hat and he says, I hope, oh, I don't know, statues that have been erected recently of social justice warriors get blown up. Could you imagine the outrage, my friend? Yeah. Even the other night when we were covering this protest, um, it was very much impromptu, unlike the freedom marches that the police lay out a route and uh, it's non-invasive and it doesn't sort of offset the uh, city too much. It's all planned. They follow the police. This protest last night with police present, shockingly, the tactical units weren't on hand. They literally blocked like the C train or Calgary transit lines. They blocked numerous other roads off and traffic was at a standstill and it wasn't a coordinated path. Police were basically scrambling to try and keep people away as this protest moved through the city. If there was any sort of conservative movement, let's say it was an anti-masker or an anti-mask rally that blocked the C-train lines, the tactical team would be on hand. They would be arrested and charged within minutes, and there'd be news coverage from every mainstream outlet about how these radicals are blocking hospitals, blocking ambulances, which an ambulance was blocked last night. Um, nonstop, they, it would just be a, a constant barrage of how evil these people are. And yet, that isn't the mainstream narrative when it comes to other groups. It's ideological. Oh, Adam, we don't have to imagine. I can tell you in Toronto, going back to January, where literally the public square, Young Dundas Square, was declared a no-man zone by Mayor Tory, and you had protesters standing by themselves with a Canadian flag getting tackled by police yeah. officers, cuffed, thrown into um, police SUVs and paddy wagons. They weren't blocking traffic. They weren't blocking subway trains. They were yeah. allegedly using their right to uh, freedom of expression and assembly, which uh, is a uh, not a right that's recognized, like I said, right in the public square. The hypocrisy is unbelievable. One last question, Adam. I'm just wondering, it's a hypothetical one, in in terms of Suzuki's base, in terms of his fans, do you think the majority are saying, right on, man, let's, uh, let's lock and load, let's carry out some major destruction on those pipelines? Or do you think some pe are, the majority are saying, uh, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. I, I don't like pipelines. I, I want green energy, but I don't want acts of eco-terrorism. What do you think it is, Adam? 
you know, I think that there is sort of an underlying extremism to eco hysteria. Um, case in point, you look at a city council voting virtually unanimously um, to declare a state of climate emergency. That word emergency um, is not a measured response. It's it's a it's a response on the extreme. Often we teach our children, well, you don't say it's an emergency unless it's really an emergency. Um, I I think that that mentality and the fear and hysteria that permeates media has rendered people who would otherwise be moderates into extremists. And while I do think they are a allowed minority of the, the broad population, I would not be shocked if among Suzuki supporters and these Extinction Rebellion types, um, there, was a, there was an underlying sort of nod of this is the way it's going to be. Um, sadly, I do think that that extends to an extent within mainstream media. As you said, if you were advocating for any other idea and suggested that it if, if politicians don't step in line, there's going to be bombings, which is terrorism by every metric. Yep. Um, any other movement would have massive backlash. Here, you've not seen the Suzuki loyalists saying, well, hold on a second, you've gone too far. They've largely been quiet, and being quiet involves a degree of complicity, in my opinion. 100%. And as for Calgary City Council showing sympathy to the anti-pipeline movement, Adam, my God, uh, sometimes I don't recognize the world we're living in. It, it, it would be akin to uh, the council in Newcastle being anti-coal. Um, but welcome to the post-COVID world where up is down, yes is no. It's kind of like the bizarro Superman planet, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so, entirely. In fact, we do have a doppelganger of our own Sheila Gunn-Reed here, who is like a bizarro. She's always an activist. She's always at the progressive <laughs> events, but she's a doppelganger. Speaking of Sheila Gunn-Reed, for those who aren't that familiar with David Suzuki, if you go to suzukibook.com, um, there is uh, the fantastic book, The Case Against David Suzuki, The Unauthorized uh, Biography by our very own Sheila Gunn Reed. So uh, that's a way to get informed for folks who haven't read the book, maybe. Well, there you go, folks. Adam's provided you the Christmas reading list for, uh, to while away the days uh, next month. Uh, Ethical Oil, The Destroyers, and David Suzuki's Unauthorized Biography. They're all wonderful page turners. Adam, thank you so much for that excellent report. And thank you for joining me on Roundup. Happy to be here. Thanks, Dave. You got it. And that was Adam Seuss in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Folks, I'm outside the Toronto District School Board headquarters. There are dozens of teachers here who are not revealing their medical status or they're saying, no, we will not get jabbed with the COVID-19 vaccines. And what can I tell you, folks? The clock is ticking this Sunday, November 21st. That's when uh, they have to make that decision. If you don't reveal your status or agree to get vaccinated, you are terminated as of Monday, November 22nd. Um, well, it's funny, isn't it, folks? The TDSB and so many other school boards, they've always been about anti-bullying, right? They've always been about um, reasonable accommodation. The question arises, why won't they reasonably accommodate these teachers? Why are they using bully boy tactics to get their way? We're going to ask some of these teachers to come on camera and hear what they have to say about their school board turning against them and their unions abandoning them. 
Your sign says, stop the experiment. Um, www.hadenoughyet.ca. So what is it you're trying to convey here today, man? Um, well, exactly what it says, okay. uh, because the products that they want to inject into everybody haven't actually finished the, the phase three trials. Right. So, and I, and I guess it's one thing, uh, even if this is an experimental vaccine, it's one thing for a citizen to have choice in the matter, but what we're seeing increasingly is coercion by employers, by the government, by this very school board. You either get the jabs or you lose your job. So there would seem to be an ethical or moral you know, problem with that, I would think. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a huge one right now. Okay. And a lot of people are speaking out of out of it on that side that don't even like that aren't even, you know, anti-vaxxers per se. Some people have, you know, always had vaccines, but this one is different. Do you feel that teachers that are not divulging their vaccine status, teachers that are saying I am not getting the jab, do you think that's a form of bullying by the board to its employees? Absolutely. Um, you know, we were expected to watch a, an educational video uh, by the board um, to discuss and to hear about the vaccine and the safety. And there was a few slides that had a huge um, kind of anti-bullying, safe spaces, safe environment, uh, propaganda. And as I was watching this, I thought, well, isn't this a little bit ironic and hypocritical? to preach us about the importance of having a safe environment to work in and no toxicity, but at the same time, coercing us, forcing us, really not giving us any choice to what we want to do with our bodies and taking our you know, economic freedom away. And taking, taking uh, for a lot of us, you know, there are a lot of people who, are, who don't have uh, a spouse, a partner, they're sole breadwinners. Well, folks, that was the scene last Friday in Toronto when dozens of teachers who face an economic death sentence protested outside the headquarters of the TDSB, a school board that now subscribes to bullying and non-accommodation, at least when it comes to forcing its employees, ranging from teachers to custodians, to get the COVID-19 jab. Yep, today's lesson, kids, C, as in C for coercion. In any event, you had plenty to say about the Toronto District School Board's draconian demands and the fact that the various teachers' unions have no problem whatsoever with that particular mandate. Baffling. Baltazar Gapka writes, for the first time in history, the ineffectiveness of a medicine is being blamed on those who refuse to take it. Well, you are correct, sir. And you know, I think of the words of Dr. Julie Panessi of the Democracy Fund in that speech she made at last Saturday's Freedom Rally in London, Ontario. Check it out. Why, <laughs> as a nurse recently asked, do the protected need to be protected from the unprotected by forcing the unprotected to use the protection that didn't protect them in the first place? Well said. Sebastian Desley writes, 
time to arrest these tyrants. Well, Sebastian, there is plenty of tyranny on display these days, that's for sure. But the tyrants aren't going to jail. Rather, those who are ending up in the slammer are the likes of restaurateurs and pastors, you know, law-abiding taxpayers who are merely standing up for their rights. The world is truly upside down these days, and I think it's going to remain in that position for years to come. Larkin Equity North Carolina writes, if they fire those teachers, do they lose their pensions? Well, you know, great question, sir. I'll look into this. We know that these firings are being deemed as termination with cause, meaning no benefits, including employment insurance. You gotta believe the TDSB would love to further punish the so-called COVIDiots by taking away their pensions too. The question arises, does the school board have this power? Stay tuned for that one. Jason R writes, quit your job. They don't care about the unvaccinated. Stop slaving for people that won't even let you eat at a restaurant. Well, Jason, I'm sorry, but easier said than done. Everyone has to pay the rent or the mortgage. Everyone has to put bread on the table. This is what is so insidious about mandatory vax policies. It is indeed an economic death sentence. I spoke to some teachers that day that told me they're going to have to sell their houses to stay afloat. Luckily, the real estate market in Toronto remains red hot, but this is a shame nevertheless. And AKA Thardos writes, so the school board takes full responsibility for any adverse reaction to the jab and they will look after your family for life? <laughs> oh, absolutely not, AKA Thardos. The position of the school board boils down to this. Trust us, no employer on the planet is going to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to signing a document that states they will be responsible for any adverse health effects. But why? Aren't we told repeatedly by the doctors that this vaccine is perfectly safe? Or is it? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey folks, never forget, Without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.